peoples of the worldwide federated internet, what's good? fully admit that I understand how people can see that these parts of the Bible is kind of mundane, uh, maybe a little dry. And I think it's because there's parts of this that we don't understand. Remember what I said in the book of Hebrews that these things in a tabernacle are pictures, are figures of the true tabernacle. So these things have meanings. So even though I'm not going to necessarily break a lot of this stuff down, and the biggest reason is because I don't necessarily grasp all of it, right? So I'm not going to sit here and feign in front to you like, oh, I'm not breaking it down because I just don't have time. There are some things that I don't break down because I want to come back to it. But then there are situations like this where it's like, yo, this is beyond me. Kind of like certain Bible prophecies, right? Like you get to the book of the Revelation. Now, I have my thoughts about Revelation. I think that Revelation is probably, uh, let me get a little closer. Um, I think Revelation is probably misunderstood by many, primarily because we don't know how to understand the book of Revelation, right? So when the Bible mention certain things uh like like for instance i've been looking at some end time prophecies just listening to different things people say when the bible talks about the two witnesses what i've thought to myself and i've heard other people say this as well so i don't want to take full credit are those two witnesses literally two people do they represent a group of people do they represent different parts of the body of Christ? I don't know. And I think sometimes when we don't understand certain things in the Bible, we want to, and we want to just offer up something because we want to make it seem like we don't understand. So why did I say all of that? Because if I don't break a bunch of things down, especially in this portion of scripture, I'm being completely honest with you. I'm studying this. These are things that I study and I come back to. This is kind of a, a loose study, so I'm not necessarily going really slow and I'm not trying to break everything down per se. There's there's some things I'm going to come back to just like I did in the book of Genesis. But if I move a little quickly through this stuff, it's because I don't really have much to say. Now, maybe there's things that you understand that I don't. And if you do more power to you. I appreciate the fact that you are a Bible nerd. We celebrate Bible nerds over here. Anyway, without further ado, the book of Exodus chapter 26, verse 15. Let's get into this. And thou shalt make boards for the tab tabernacle of shittim wood, uh, standing up. Uh, shittim wood was 
uh, said to be hard, tough, and smooth. And by, I guess, most accounts, I would say all accounts, but I can't really say that because I don't know. But by most accounts, many people viewed Shittimwood at this time to be one of the, the most uh, beautiful woods to look upon. So it makes sense that this is a wood that would be used in a tabernacle. Now, if there's another reason that the wood was used, I uh, don't have any knowledge of that just yet, because I don't think these things that are mentioned about. So, so this is the thing, even though you might read these verses and you might not necessarily understand what's going on, what this means and what the importance is, just know these things are important. So even when you get to places in your Bible that you don't understand, don't be discouraged. Read it, soak it up, take it in and just keep reading, because at some point something's going to click. This has happened to me several times. I read a Bible account. I don't really understand it. I just keep reading. I move on. I do my thing. And at some point something happens, something clicks. And I say, oh, man. Now this verse right here, right here makes perfect sense. But anyway, I just wanted to say that uh, 10 cubits shall be the length of a board and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. So I think it was two, two, uh, two podcasts before this one, or maybe three. I went over what a cubit was. Uh, so you can go, you know, listen to the previous podcast. I believe it was out of chapter 25, if I'm not mistaken. So a cubit or, uh, 10 cubits would be 17, uh, 0.1 feet long and one and a half cubits would be two and a half feet wide. So these boards are, are to be. 17.1 feet long and two and a half feet wide. Uh, a lot of this, I'm going to just go over a few words or one word at least. And a majority of this is going to be primarily reading. I might stop here and there to offer up little commentary. But like I said, I'm not going to feign to you like I completely understand this all. The exciting thing is I'm actually looking forward to going deeper into all of this because I do want to understand. I want to understand the temple and everything that is encompassed in what it means, because, as I said, I know these things are not irrelevant. They definitely matter. OK, so two tenons shall be in one and one board in order one against another, thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. Now, what a tenon is, I'll read the definition. Uh, in building and cabinet work, the end of a piece of timber, which is fitted to a mortise for insertion. I'll explain to you what a mortise is here in a second. Or inserted for fastening two pieces of timber together. What a mortise is, is a hollowed out area that another piece fits into, right? So this tenon was like a piece that was sticking out and it was made to be fitted into another piece, kind of like Lego. 
verse 18. Now, this is where we're going to just get into a bunch of reading. So bear with me. Uh, and thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards on the south side southward. Numbers matter. I've said this before. Why there was 20 boards specifically on the south it, there's probably, I'm not going to say 100% definitively, but there was probably a reason for that. I would not be surprised if there is. And that's one of those things that I will look into later on. And thou shalt make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons and two sockets under the other board for his two tenons. So now we know why these tenons were fashioned into the wood. They were going to have attachment points or sockets. Uh, verse 20. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, there shall be 20 boards. And there 40 sockets of silver two sockets under now here's another thing to think about just dawned on me do you remember when the children of israel were leaving egypt and some of the egyptians gave them valuable stones and metals all of these things are being used to craft and construct this temple god provided a way right these people were leaving and they had nothing and yet god provided them a way to make this temple uh, and there 40 sockets of silver, verse 21, and two sockets under one board and two sockets under the other board and four sides of the tabernacle westward. Thou shalt make six boards and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides. Uh, by the way, there's actually many places you can go to online and, and even even some. Um, some Bibles, like I, I have a, a a Nelson King James Bible, but the notes inside, it's called the New Open Bible, and it has all kind of notes about different things historically, what was going on, and in this portion, it actually has a mock-up picture of what all of these things that are being described look like, and you can go to different places online and kind of see if you can't build it in your mind. You can you can uh, go to places where they have mock up images of what all of this looked like constructed and put together. Uh, verse 23 and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides and they shall be coupled together beneath and they shall be coupled together above the head of it unto one ring. Thus shall it be for them both. They shall be for the two corners. And they shall be by uh, and they shall be eight boards and the sockets of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under one board, two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle and five and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle and the five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward and the middle bar in the midst of the boards shall reach from end to end. Now, don't let it be missed on you that this is a figure of the true tabernacle. So if this is the figure of the true tabernacle, then 
all of this stuff matters, right? Just like the animal sacrifice was a picture of the sacrifice Christ would, uh, would sacrifice for us on a cross. So when you look at those animal sacrifices, they're not irrelevant. They matter. These were pictures of things to come. The tabernacle being the same way, even though you may not understand every minute detail, just know that these things matter. So they should be looked into. Uh, verse 29, and thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings uh, of gold for uh, for places for the bars. And thou shalt overlay the bars with gold and thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made and thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver and again i'm going to give another admonition if old english is not your cup of tea which is not everybody's i you know feel free use another translation some of the other translations uh, describe this in more modern language so you might understand it a little better as I've always said for those of you that may be new listeners I grew up on a King James Bible so it's what I prefer it's what I'm used to it's the Bible I've memorized verses out of but I'm not telling you this is the version that you have to read right so another version might describe this in a way that's more suited for you better for you to understand verse 33 and thou shalt hang up the veil under the tatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony and the veil shall divide uh unto you between the holy place and the most holy place and this the holy place and the most holy place will definitely matter more as you read through the old testament you'll see the you know the, the purpose of all of this and then if you read the book of hebrews you'll you'll see the purpose of all of this as well and the picture that's being painted and thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the midst of the holy place and thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south and thou shalt put the uh, the table on the north side and thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent of uh, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be gold and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. All of these things matter. Again, I cannot tell you that I necessarily understand all of it right now. But as I study my Bible, I understand things more and more. I've seen this happen in the book of Genesis. I've seen it happen in some of the prophets in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Isaiah, in Psalms and Proverbs. There's verses that I've read over time and time and time again. Years will go past and I'll read the verse and I'll be like, oh, man, putting two and two together through the Bible, understanding what different things mean. So I, I, I said that 
and, and the reason I I'm reiterating and stressing this is because I know what it feels like to read your Bible and wonder why does all of this matter? What is the significance, especially when you don't understand something? And I think people get discouraged and they don't understand things. And it kind of puts you in a space similar to what school does, where you're like, man, I don't understand this. So I don't want to try and I don't want anybody to be there. Just read your Bible, study your Bible. You're not going to understand everything right away. You're not. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to understand everything the first time. You're not going to understand everything the second time, third time, 10th time, 20th time. It might be the 50th time you read through a verse and finally something clicks. You remember something in another portion of scripture and you put two and two together. So don't quit. Don't get discouraged because other people understand things you don't understand. I feel when I listen to some people go over the Bible, I feel like a novice and I study my Bible daily. I'm reading over these verses time and time again, and I'll listen to somebody else like, man, how in the world did he understand that? Like, where did he get this? And you got to realize a lot of these people who understand their Bible in depth, they do a lot of reading, a lot of listening and a lot of consumption. The amount of time you put into the Bible is going to benefit you. You're only going to get out of it as much as you put into it, right? Kind of like the uh, in the Psalms, uh, it said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. One time I was thinking about that and I thought, man, if if I'm not reading my Bible, listening to what what, you know, was said in the Psalms. How do I really avoid sin? Clearly, this was something that the person in the book of Psalms leaned on to stay away from sin. So if this is not something I have a constant steady diet of, then I'm going to have a problem. Now, naturally, back then they didn't have they, they weren't walking around with scrolls, but whatever they had of the word of God, it was important. To some degree, I think we're handicapped in this in this age because we're all walking around with a completed Bible. So we don't have to go to a synagogue and to a church to hear somebody go over a scroll. We can open up our phone, go grab a Bible off the shelf and read at any, any moment and at any time we want. And we probably don't do as much thinking and valuing of the Bible like people did during this time. So again, let me encourage you. If you don't understand it, keep reading. Don't let that discourage you because not everybody, even people you trust and even people you know of as scholars and very knowledgeable people as far as the Bible, they didn't start out that way. Everybody started out at that same place, reading through portions like this and wondering what does all this mean? Keep reading. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.